and welcome to Challenging University with me, your host, Tony Kent. Now, how do you go from recreating your favourite comedy series with your friends for fun to being a cameraman that's regularly booked by BBC News and Sky Sports? And how do you find your way into film production when you don't have any connections? David Stubbins is today's guest and he's a freelance film camera operator, director and editor whose career spans the worlds of travel, corporate events and televised sports. In this episode, David shares how lack of space on his chosen A-level courses meant studying two subjects he had not picked, why a story left on a common room table decided his future, what it was like being a cameraman for a private detective, why on-the-job experience made him more valuable to film companies than having a degree, and why people skills are as important as technical skills, even when you're established. This episode offers a fantastic insight into the world of film production and editing, from securing work experience through to getting yourself pitch side with professional footballers and TV presenters. Let's get started. Hi, David. Hello. Thank you for agreeing to come on the Challenging University podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, this is quite nice because this time around, I'm recording you. Last time we yeah. met, you were recording me. Absolutely, yeah. So it for was the it was fun. It was fun. Um, <laughs> so for the listeners today and the listeners to come, could you please share your full name and what it is that you do for a job today? So my name is David Stubbins, and um, I am a freelance i kind of say i'm a freelance cameraman um but within that that incorporates directing and a lot of producing work actually and um i also edit although over the years i've kind of gone off that bit i prefer to be out and about meeting people um yeah that's what i do and very briefly because that sounds like you know that's a kind of broad you could be a cameraman editor producer in all sorts of spheres where do you kind of focus your work if you do have a focus yeah so um a bit of background i've been doing this 24 years now um and up until covid i worked for a production company mm-hmm. um we traveled I think when we first met, I may have mentioned this a few years back. So at that point, we were traveling all over the world, filming all kinds of things, um, destination films and films for huge hotel chains and things like that. Obviously, COVID stopped all that. Um, And so I went freelance in 21. And I say luckily um, for me, I'd built up some good relationships with other freelancers who we'd used over the years. Um, and so I, I worked predominantly over the last two years in news, sports. Um, I got to do with football, championship football for people who are interested in that. <laughs> so kind of across the north. Um, yeah. But I live in Hull, so I specifically do Hull City. Yeah. And when they're not at home, I get put on other games um, for the kind of the northern championship teams. <laughs> I also do the rugby league for Sky Sports. Again, predominantly in the north. Although yeah. um, this season uh, just gone, I think London Broncos have come back into the uh, Super League, so we might be having a few trips down to London. So at the minute, it's predominantly um, across the north. A lot of my work is is based, um, 
And then I'm sorry, the cat. <laughs> I'm so sorry. First, first cat on the podcast. <laughs> sorry, sorry. And it's a black is it? Cat. Oh, it's she will. Yeah, she gets lucky. everywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then do a lot of work for things like BBC Breakfast. So that can be, again, you can be sent anywhere for that. Um, wait, if they're doing a live OB from somewhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Great. And I know what OB means, but uh, let's, you know, let's deal with our acronyms. OB is? Sorry, an outside broadcast, yeah. An so um, when you see, yeah. So yeah. if you see, you know, a live cameraman somewhere. Yeah, he's he will be there with his presenter and a producer probably. Uh, yeah. That that's an outside broadcast. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so let's go back um, in time a little bit. Uh, every guest that comes on, I ask them what their memories of secondary school are. Were you there sure. as a roving reporter? <laughs> <laughs> um, that is where my. Um, interest in film kind of came to the fore really i had um i loved school i absolutely loved being at secondary school um i just yeah i think it was when when that's you know when we spoke and um i saw this question come up i just remember school being fun it was just a really good laugh mm -hmm. but i did i think i did get my head down and um yeah. concentrated and and tried to do as best as i could at school um but yeah, we just we just tried to make it as fun as possible, I think. And I think I'm lucky that the school I was at didn't mind that. Do you know what I mean? It was never like I don't know, it wasn't a very strict it was a Roman Catholic school. Um, but it wasn't a very strict school as such. It was um I was very sporty as well. I did a lot of sports there. Um but yeah, I just yeah, I looked something just more. It was a really fun environment, really. And was it um because I, I know people that will um, who are not practicing Catholics that will seek out the local Catholic school because often they, I was so I've been told, produce better results. Um, was there a story behind why you ended up at a Roman Catholic school? I think pretty much everyone in my family went to that school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, we had the the secondary, the primary school, which is like the feeder school into the secondary school. We're both Roman Catholic. Yeah. I'm not just, I'm not a practicing Catholic at all now. Um, and to be honest, we weren't really back then. You know, we, mm. we didn't really go to church. Um, my grandma was probably the most religious in the family. And even she wasn't that religious. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, you know, we just, we just, it was the closest secondary school to us, to be fair. Uh, yeah. Uh, a great school. Uh, I've got no kind of, now, now it's. Um, I think it's they class as open faith schools. I think you know because I have oh. I have Muslim family members. They they attend that school. Oh, um, okay. I, it's it's accepting of all religions. I think now it's not. Yeah. I think it's known as a Roman Catholic school, but it's an open faith school. I think might be how it's classed. Okay. Yeah. I just it's mm. it's it's interesting. Any something that I learned with schooling around where I live, with a lot of village schools, they are often church schools because the land was donated by the church. So our local, all of our ah, local okay. primaries, bar one, I think are DV because they're built on church land. Fun fact. Right, okay. <laughs> Never knew that, yeah. It could be that, yeah. <laughs> I know we had, we had um, the school close by used to be the Marist 
Yeah, lots of priests and nuns in Hull. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Um, the Marist Fathers used to be based just down the road. Right. Um, so my when my when my mum and my aunties and my uncles yeah. were all at that school, it was all nuns and priests ran it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still remember in primary school, the headmistress was a nun, and she would just come and interrupt any lesson she felt. And she'd just come and play guitar and sing songs in the middle of a science in the middle of a science lesson. She'd just kind of come in, gather everyone round to the carpet, play a song, and then disappear to the next class and disrupt their <laughs> class. And then we just we just get back on with with our class. It's it's really bizarre. But um it's great. So when the headmistress turns up, you're not afraid you're gonna be told off. You're like, it's it's circle and singing time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She was she was quite nice actually. She was quite a nice um headmistress. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean there are stories of much stricter times in those schools. Yeah, yeah. But I think luckily we passed that. You're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And what what did you focus on? So at secondary school, did you have the opportunity to pursue your creative interests, or were you led down a specific academic route? Or yeah, so it sounds really boring. I don't know where I even got this idea from because none of my family do this, but I always thought I'd have a nice office job, wear a suit. <laughs> I thought I thought I'd probably end up being like an accountant or something. I have no idea why, because none of my family are accountants. Yeah. It's just my head was, you know, get, get a nice office job, wear a suit. That's yeah. what you do to make money and progress. Yeah. Like I said, none of my family do that. My granddad was a docker. Yeah. Most of my family are kind of manual yeah. jobs you know that kind of sector um yeah I, I just had it in my head and now i and then when, when i when i met my careers advisor i want i just wanted to be a pilot i wanted okay. to be in the RAF. yeah because i had two wow. uncles two uncles on my dad's side who were i think engineers in the RAF. yeah um and my mum kind of pushed me to do that but she was like you know really into that mm. and then when i went to my careers advisor they just said no you won't you won't get that that's um they said you you need really good physics. You need really good physics to be a pilot, and you don't have good physics. Uh, so um, they just said, um, "Yeah, what else do you want to do?" Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was into sports and I was running, and so we yeah. kind of looked at being um being a coach actually, being an yeah. athletics coach. Yeah. But then once I got into sixth form, that I just didn't fancy that either, and that's when I'd started to get more into writing um, and journalism. Um, and then, yeah. So this, so where I am now. Sorry, this didn't, there was no idea of this in secondary school. Really, it was. I was quite quite sporty. Um, I thought I'd either be into sport or, like I say, I wanted to join the RAF. Yeah. This didn't kind of. It's sorry. really interesting. What did you study at sixth form? So, again, and I don't think sixth form are like this now. But I went on holiday with my friend's family, and so I started sixth form a week after after everyone else and this was still this was still at the secondary school obviously yeah Yeah. and so i wanted to do geography but that class was full okay so i couldn't do geography (laughs) you know they couldn't squeeze another chair in um so i'm sorry history that was i wanted to do history that was full so i did geography i did english literature i loved English I still you know I love reading still do yeah. um and then the only 
the next possible thing that I could do was Christian theology. Which, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it was either that or I don't know, probably French or something. You know, where they only had space to push me to somewhere else for a third okay. course. Wow. Um, and we did general studies as well. So I did yeah. Christian theology, English right. literature, and yeah. geography. Right. And it was you... through English literature. Sorry. Yeah. And they go on. That's it. Was it was through English literature that I ended up where I am now, basically. Right. Um. Did you complete your A levels? Yes. Um. I completed them all. Yeah. Um. I didn't do great. Uh. If mm. I'm honest, just uh, yeah, a lot of things happened in sixth form, which kind yeah. of took my concentration elsewhere and. Um, <laughs> I did, I did, I was, yeah, it was okay. I did all right. I just didn't do as well as I thought I would do. Um, and, but and I still thought I'd go to university. Okay, because I think the thing that really strikes me is um, with the, the A-level thing when, you know, they say you must, you must pick subjects they're interested in. You must pick subjects that will lead you into, you know, your future. But you're being told, well... There's no space for you in the class that you want, so you can do two topics that you have not picked. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, for two years, I kind of thought. I kind of thought. I thought history and geography would go together well. Yeah. Um, and I always, I always loved English. It was going yeah. to be language or literature. But yeah. yeah, the fact that I mean, now you see coaches going from school to school, taking students to give them exactly what they want and need. Yeah. But yeah, they couldn't just put a chair in another classroom for me to do what I wanted to do. Um, But to be honest, I I loved, actually, I really liked Christian theology. And again, it was Christian theology, but we, it was all multi-faith. You learned about lots of different faiths. And it was a really good um, discussion group, really. It wasn't like we just sat in a classroom and a teacher spoke to us. Um, We had really good open discussions about religion and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was good from that point of view. What I was going to do with that, who knows? You know, I don't know. Some become a, a theologian. I don't know, but uh, I don't right. know how many theologians Hall's produced. But uh, there we go. <laughs> um, you said that you thought university was on the cards. So, what was the conversations that you were having at home and at sixth form around what your next steps would be? Again, um, only one of my uncles. At that point, when I was in school, only one of my uncles had gone to university. No one else in my family had been. And we were quite a big family. My mum was one, one of seven. Yeah. And pretty much everyone still lived close by. So all of my uncles, aunties, my cousins, no one had gone to university. Yeah. My uncle was the only one who'd um, left and gone off. And so he was a bit of an inspiration for, yeah, I want to do that. You know, that's probably yeah. the route I want to go down. Also, we lived right next to Hull University. Uh, so every day for 15, 16 years, yeah. I passed Hull University. Yeah. Um, we passed we passed the student accommodation. We passed yeah. the areas where the student lived. Yeah. I always saw the big red brick buildings. And I was, yeah. that was always inspiration that yeah, I can't wait to be seen. That's what I want to go to, whether it was Hull yeah. or elsewhere. I just thought, yeah, I want to be part of that. Um, and that would be, you know, lead me to whatever career I wanted. I just knew I wanted to go to university. Yeah. Like I said, that just just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it was never really put upon us at school that you had to go to university to succeed or to progress in life or anything. Mm-hmm. And 
certainly at home, I think my mum would always kind of, you know, say, like, well, you have to study, you have to do this because then you can go to university. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't remember any really big discussions, even within my friends group, really. I think it was also a given that we would all go to university. Um, maybe that's a school I went to, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think everyone just kind of assumed, yeah, I'll do these, then I'll go to sixth form and then not. Then I'll go to university because that's what we have to do to to progress really. And and what was it then that um caused you to walk in a different direction to whole university? <laughs> yeah, so like I say, um a few things were going on in sixth form that I just made me think, oh, I'm probably not gonna move away to university, but maybe I'll go to Hull University. Okay. But then I think I just left it so late to make a decision that yeah. I actually just ended then going to Hull College. And rather than doing a degree, I just did um, a BTEC National Diploma. I don't know yeah. if they're still around. Yeah. Um, in, media, in TV and film production. Huh? And that purely came around because um, a friend and I, so I did English literature, he was doing English language. Yeah. He had to, sub- he had to submit a story. Yeah. Um, and he went. He went away with some friends for the weekend. And came back. Yeah. And he said, "I I can't type. Can you type the story up for me?" So we typed mm-hmm. his story up. He had yeah. he handed it in. And for some bizarre reason, we just left copies of this story around the sixth form common room. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone said, "This is a lighthearted story. You should make this as a short film." Right. And back in 1997, you know, there was no mobile phones to shoot things on. I had a camcorder, which. I think it was probably one of the only people I knew with a camcorder. Yeah. Um, I, and me and my friends out of school used to remake, this is bizarre, we used to remake episodes of Bottom, Drew yeah. Bottom with Mitch Mayer. Yeah, I it. do. We're just the so, endless beating each uh, yeah. other with frying pans yeah. and, oh, cool. Yeah, and stupid yeah. jokes yeah. and stuff. We used to, for some reason, we used to remake episodes <laughs> between four of us. Yeah. And so people kind of knew that I was into that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so... So after I realized, I just thought, well, yeah, I'll just do that. I'll go and learn how to make a film mm-hmm. and I'll make this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, Hull College did a TV and film production course. So I thought, well, I'll start there. Yeah. Um, but then once I started, I was actually quite, still quite into the writing side of it. And I thought mm-hmm. maybe I'll be a journalist or something. And yeah. But yeah, just so... Oh, sorry, I don't even know what your question was. Now. <laughs> was, it, was it how I got <laughs> into where we are? Or was it just university? Different route. That's right. What, yeah. what caused me to that route? So, yeah, so just a weird event of one Monday morning, my friend not being able to type. Yeah. And that led us down this path of um, uh, typing up a film, basically. And were you, when you were recreating Bottom, um, were yeah. you in, in front of the camera or behind it? I was behind it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we did about four or five episodes. Yeah, and I'm only in one of them. Okay. I think I think I, I liked I liked being behind the camera. As uh, so, me and another one of my friends were the two that would film it, yeah. and um, yeah. So uh, Love it. Love and it. and again, all our all our, all our big family holidays, we'd always go. There'd probably be between fifteen twenty years. We've gone family holidays up okay. up and down the east coast and things, and I'd always have the camcorder filming bits and bobs and yeah. just being silly with it and frightening my aunties and things like that, jumping did out they, filming. Does any of that footage still exist? It does, yeah. It's oh. um, 
it's still on a high eight camera. It's uh, yeah. lots of tapes. And we've yeah. got a few on VHS that I keep meaning to transfer before they degrade too much. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Lots of uh, nice footage of family holidays and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, once you'd completed your BTEC and you had a, you must have had a body of work. Um, what, where did you go <laughs> after that? So, I always, I loved my time. Again, at Hull College, it was just great. And I'm still friends with. At the time, there was a guy who was like an engineer, and basically you would book your equipment out with, it's called Lee. Yeah. You would book your equipment out with Lee, and he would book your edit suites out for you. Yeah. I'm still friends with him now. He, he teaches, he's moved on from Hull College to another college, and he's had me in there as a special kind of speaker, if you like, and yeah. he gets me in to do um, interviews with students, yeah. which is kind of like, we've still got a great relationship. And he, yeah, he was just uh, a really nice guy there. So what was the question again, Tony? <laughs> where did you... Sorry, that Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, what? Um, where yeah, where did you go off from? So once you've got your BTEC, because yeah. um, for many young people, I would imagine you go, right, I want to do this, but I imagine, although I don't know, it is difficult to secure your first job, contracts, work experience. Absolutely, yeah. So again, so yeah, so when we were there, we kind of... I say we, because there was me and two of my friends who kind of, in the second year, we thought, right, well, when we leave here, we'll start a production company. Just yeah. very, very naively. Well, that's yeah. what we'll do. Um, but what happened was my radio radio production lecturer yeah. was a BBC producer. And we just got on really well. And he actually offered me and one of my friends just some part-time work, just helping him out. Yeah. on little jobs around Hull. So he was a freelance education producer for the BBC, but he also did like live live events around Hull and East Yorkshire. Yeah. And so a friend and I just kind of started doing the odd job for him. Yeah. And when we finished, he basically said, look, I've got probably part-time work for you if you're interested. Wow. So we said, yeah, yes, yeah, please. Yeah. So again, our plan, again, I was in two minds, do I go off and get a degree? in this yeah. or do I take the opportunity to just start working straight away? Yeah. Um, and I think before we even finished the course, he'd introduced us, we went and did a film in York mm. and we got talking to the production company who were filming. So he was, Graham was producing it. Mm. Uh, another company were actually filming it. We got talking to the owner of that company and he said, you know, his, his words were, yeah, if you go to university in three years' time, you're going to come out with a piece of paper. Yeah. But if you work for us for three years, we'd be into, that's the guy we're interested in. That's the guy yeah. who's going to have three years of life experience and work experience. Yeah. So, you know, go off to university if you want, but we'd be interested in using the guy, you know, who comes on shoots with us, who learns the ropes. Yeah. So that's that was my decision made, really. I was working for Graham part-time. I was working for another Dave part-time. I was working at Morrison's, <laughs> um, which I'd started, yeah, part-time, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, at, yeah, at one point, I had four, four part-time jobs on the go. Yeah. Because this production, this I just happened to be sat in their office one day at this production company, and a, believe it or not, a private detective rung up and said, I need a cameraman. Right. And they said, it's not really what we not, it's not really what we do. Yeah. But hang on a second. <laughs> and uh, wow. Dave just looked at me and said, 
do you want, another, do you want some some more work? I said, yeah. yeah. They yeah. said, right, I've got I've got some more for you. So for about eighteen months, I was a cameraman for a private detective, oh as well as doing all these other jobs. Wow. So eventually, I quit Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> I quit Morrison, even though they begged me to stay by offering me a supervised job. Yeah. And I said, look, yeah, I appreciate the offer, but this is. I didn't want to be a security private security cameraman, but the other two jobs were really taken off. I was getting lots of work. Yeah. So I quit Morrison's. Yeah. That's that's quite a big, uh, uh, I don't know, frame of reference. You're like, I'm covertly filming people in one Yeah. Role. It was a very strange job. Yeah. A very interesting job. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> but back then, yeah, this was like 2001 probably. Um, wow. The technology wasn't amazing what we were using, but um, yeah. but interesting, really interesting for about eighteen months, and then I just got sick of it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the, the the actual work, proper production work, let's call it, was taken off. So yeah. So I quit that job as well. Okay, I thought you know there's probably, there's lots that I'm curious about on the private investigator work, but I don't want to betray any confidences, you know. Um... I, I, you can ask me you can ask me questions, but whether I can tell you the answers or not is something else. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, um, <laughs> I've just got visions of you like peering around corners in a bush, yeah, sitting in a car, well, sitting in the car, pretending to read a paper. <laughs> so, I was so it's not too far from that. Okay. I would sit, I would get um driven into position. So, we right. so we'd have a target, let's call them, yeah, and I'd get I would drive a white transit van, yeah, oh my to God. maybe a, yeah. a mile, a mile of that house, yeah, and then I would. I would, next to the passenger seat was a secret door Uh-oh. in this transit van. So then I would crawl through this door into the back yeah. of the van. Yeah. One of my other team would then come and move that van into position. Right. And so to anyone looking, they would just see someone get out of that van and walk away. They didn't realize that I was in the back of that van, you see. <laughs> and I could be in the back of that van for 12 hours oh with goodness. no sunlight or anything. And what I would have... I don't think this is giving away too much, but in that van was a periscope. Yeah. Okay. So when you see transit vans with that like like white yeah. the fan on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was we had a camera pointing out out of out of there at someone's house or yeah. their driveway. And I would head. basically sit there watching them. And then if they left, yeah. I would radio through to the other guys who would then follow them in a car. Right. Wow. So two of the cars would follow them, but I they were the mobile team. I was the kind of static boring team really so i had a game boy a newspaper yeah and that was my entertainment no mobile phones really back then and maybe actually, i'd snake actually i might have a snake say if you're playing super mario on a nintendo you've got periscopes in that as well so there's a lovely <laughs> yeah. kind of synchronicity lovely, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah yeah um but as you say your other production work took off yeah. and what what was it like kind of for you? How how did you um, kind of build your skills? Where did that lead you in terms of figuring out exactly what you wanted to do within the industry? Yeah, so for, so for Graham, who was my lecturer who I went to work with, mm-hmm. um, he, he didn't have a video company as such. He had a, an events company, if you like. Okay. Um, so he brought me on another a friend on board and we kind of built up his built up his video production company mm. so and it put a lot of trust in us straight away really um 
so within a year or two i was i was kind of director and production manager if you like so mm-hmm. i was having one-on-one meetings with clients straight away and yeah. arranging shoots and scripting and yeah all kinds of stuff so it was great that he just kind of threw us in at the deep at the deep end really yeah. um but then then with um dave and the company called classly media they'd been a production company for probably 20 odd years at that point okay and so with him with dave and the rest of the team there i was getting the experience i needed on high-end production really yeah. so yeah. with graham we were kind of quite local building the company up with, with yeah. dave and the class lane team they were already working all over the country working in europe mm. so with those guys, I started off just as a runner and camera assistant. Yeah. And then within a few years, um, you know, it was like B camera, if you like. And then mm-hmm. after a while, you get entrusted to be, actually, you can go on a shoot by yourself and maybe you can direct this. And yeah. So, yeah, it's just, you just learn on the job, really. Um, and Dave was right, because after three years of doing that with him, yeah, I had friends who had gone off to university, were coming out, couldn't get a job. And yeah. were coming to me because they, they'd known I'd been doing it for three or four years. And yeah. I tried to point them in the right direction and got a few of them jobs in the industry. But, um, you know, out of, that, out of that media class of probably 30 odd, I think maybe two of us actually got jobs in the industry, really. So, yeah. And that included the people at university, the ones who went up to university, I don't even think, I don't think any of them are, are working in the industry. And that's not to kind of belittle going to university, you know. That's just the way it was, you know. Maybe the jobs weren't there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it's interesting what you say because, um, particularly I guess in in that kind of line of work, it is that hands-on practical experience, learning from others how to actually do it versus the theory behind it, building your network. Um, yeah. That's absolutely it. The first um, few shoots I went on. You know, they'd ask me to set the camera up, and then you just realised, as good as those two years in college were, mm. you just you just learned what you needed to do at college, really. But you didn't. Yeah. The cameras are different, obviously, when you leave college to what they are in the real world. Probably yeah. not as much nowadays, but um, just really simple things. It's like actually, we didn't get taught that in college. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And did people get taught that at university? I don't know, but um, but that real life experience was priceless. Um, and the people I was working with, you know, two of those guys went on to work all over the country for the BBC, which yeah. strange enough, I now do. So it was weird how yeah. three of us have gone on to do that. Yeah. Um, but that grounding that Dave, bizarrely, there were four Daves in the company when I joined. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, wow. So, that, so, yeah, that was quite strange. But so I became. I became stubborn in that company, taking my turn in. You couldn't just shout for Dave. You couldn't shout for Dave and have four people constantly turning on. So, there, so yeah. all those, I, I started at the bottom there, but each of them teach you different things. You know, we had one of them was really good at editing. So yeah. I learned, or two of them are really good at editing. So you learn the editing side of it yeah. from those guys. Two of them are really good at writing. So you learn writing, the writing side of it. You know, Dave, who ran the company, was an amazing people's person. So you learn how to get on with people on, you know, from different levels. Cause we would do, you know, when that company progressed and I worked, I worked for them full time. Mm. Um, and I think I've alluded to the fact that from 2008 up until COVID, we worked all over the world. Yeah. We would work with, you know, 
literally, you know, you're working with royalty sometimes, you're working with yeah. everything in between, you know, all walks of life. Yeah. From, yeah, and again, in that industry, not that wealth has anything to do with it, but certainly within, within our industry, people have a very hard time dealing with people who make money, I think. Like, that's themed as, like, if people see I think most people have this, but if people are wealthy, then they get treated differently. Right. And we never, we never, we never did that. You know, it doesn't matter. Who, it doesn't matter who you are. When you yeah. pull up and you have to talk to someone with a camera, yeah, you have to get on their level. You have to make them comfortable. So it doesn't matter yeah. who they are. Um, you know, what position in life they are, what wealth, how wealthy they are. Just you've just got to get them on board and find yeah. that connection. And that's what. I think we were really good at. Um, yeah. That's almost almost as important as any technical um, aspect of, of a shoot is. Yeah. Just get just getting what you need from that people and getting on a level where they feel comfortable. That can yeah. be the CEO. That can be a CEO of a company. It can be models you're working with. It can be some children you're working with. Yeah. You know, you have to make them feel comfortable to make ultimately make your job easier. And yeah whatever you're filming whatever it is you're filming them for you know you want that to turn out the best it can yeah um, well, you could tell when someone's not comfortable yeah. can't you if it looks stilted or Absolutely. awkward it's yeah, yeah. especially with 4k yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's all, a lot more detail now yeah which yeah. we never had before yeah um, so, um one thing i'm conscious of is that and having seen you and your team you know working it's just like the, the physicality and the hours, the hours and hours that you would put in. So what is it for you that gives you the biggest sort of like, yeah, that was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like where where does that come from in, in something that I observe to be really, you have to give a lot of energy and a huge amount of time to get to that end product. Yeah, so obviously when, when we've worked together, um, mm. we did some studio work originally a few years ago, um, and then obviously we did a lot, very large conference together, um, yeah. or, or so many. Um, I would have been almost two different people probably in those environments from when we were working one-on-one together in a studio. That's very different to how I need to be when I've got a team of people yeah. um, and clients there, and, lots of, and it's live, and there are... 500 yeah. plus people they're expecting something yeah. um part of that um comes from having that's quite cliche but having a good team so yeah. i always try and make sure you know um ian well this means nothing to anyone listening but <laughs> i know you've referenced ian in one of the messages you sent me which is a colleague of mine who was on camera that day but helped you out yeah. with the microphone yeah. we've known each other for well over 10 years yeah. Um, another one of my team, Paul, we probably worked together for close to 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's having the people around you. You all know what you need to do. Mm. Um, we're all very similar. So like I say, it's not so much. We all know that we all know what to do technically. Yeah, I know that I can give those guys a piece of equipment, a camera or vision mixer, whatever it is. Mm. I know technically they know how to use it and vice versa. What is more important in almost every job is could I leave those to help you out if you need help? Could I let yeah. them meet a client and not 
embarrass herself yeah. <laughs> or do something like you know, not not yeah. mess up that relationship you know it's all about yeah. your people skills as well as it is your technical knowledge of how to use the equipment um yeah. and what 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 we have found i always say we because you know i worked for a company for 23 years so yeah. i still work with a lot of freelancers as a team really um yeah. is you, you start trust with each other that we all know what we need to do and what puts a client at ease more than anything is not just that they're going to get a great product at the end of it, whether that's a live event that with no glitches or um, mess, you know, messing up or technical yeah. issues, or whether it's a film that we've spent a few weeks producing with them on location. Um, they, you know, they need to know that we all know what we're doing, and it's about giving them an experience. Lots of people say we we, we could be on a resort for two weeks, and after two weeks, mm. the client would say. People hardly noticed you were here yeah. because we would just we, we would get there, get on with the job, get it done, yeah. and just try to be as low key as possible. Yeah. Because we always just say it's not about us. People would say, yeah. oh, "We've had film crews on site before, and it's they're shutting off this, they're blocking this. We have people yeah. need to do this, but the directors shouting this and that that." Well, if they're doing that, that's because they want to make it about them. You know, oh, that director okay. is full full of their own software and their own self-importance and they want people to know that they're in charge yeah. you know they like to shout action they want people to go oh, he must know what he's doing because he's shouted action really loud and yeah. he shouts at that camera guy and he's making this girl run around or that camera woman run around and yeah they're doing that because they want to show off basically right. for us we we like to get there get the job done make everyone feel comfortable and that they've had a good time while we've been there and it's not been an issue with us being on site um and that you know we've done that with every every kind of production really it's not just um destination and resort based stuff it's mm. you know if you're in a factory or whatever then yeah. well you don't want to be stopping production lines because no. you need to get your <laughs> shot you know yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. every, you know and especially with people who just like to you know, in a factory, it's very um formulaic and people need know that they go in this is their job and if you go in and mess that up yeah then it throws everyone off you know and so yeah. why make people feel uncomfortable and oh am i going to get blamed for me not getting these chocolate bars packed in time and all yeah. that kind of you know whatever whatever it was so yeah. we've always just like i say going back to the people skills they're the most important side of of it really and and it was i guess it plays into a question i was going to ask you next which is if you look at your career you know what do you feel has stood you in good stead throughout um, I did make some notes, but, but I, I haven't even looked at them. I must admit. <laughs> um, again, I think it's just not being pretentious. I think would probably be the word I would use. It's I, I've always loved the being the person that um, work experience students came to. Yeah. So when we would we would get a lot of work, especially in Hull, for maybe fifteen. 15, 16 years, there wasn't many production companies. Right. There's probably only two or three of us. Mm. Now there's quite a lot because we've we got City of Culture in 2017, yeah. a lot of investment, a lot of business, a lot of young startups came around. Mm. Um, so now there's a lot more on offer, but back then there wasn't much. You know, I wouldn't know who to have gone to when I was at, at college, really, Yeah. other than the company I ended up working for. So I love being giving the opportunity to people and being that person who helped people understand the industry and and it can be quite daunting you know yeah 
even when I go on some shoots now, TV work, it can be quite daunting to see maybe some presenters you've watched on TV for years or yeah. a celebrity you might have to be working with. Yeah. But most most of them just want to be treated normal. And yeah. most of them, I'll say most of them, <laughs> want to be treated normal. <laughs> I, am, I want a basket don't want of puppies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah, so what stood us in good stead is just being honest, just being honest and genuine. Um we always used to laugh because we would be a preferred supplier for an agency in New York. Mm. And you think, why is an agency in New York who has access to thousands of yeah. production companies and thousands of camera ops and directors and writers, why are they flying over three or four crew from Hull in England? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's because they loved working with us because they knew they'd get a good job, but they also knew that our maybe our work ethos and our personalities Mm. they just liked working with people like that genuine people and not just fake people if you like I don't, I don't like I don't yeah. use the word fake but again are they a bit pretentious are they a bit up themselves and they don't it's yeah. all about them rather than the product and yeah. I think just because we're a nice genuine team to work with that stood us in good stead mm. um, I actually met sorry go on. No, go on. You met someone. Who did you meet? No, well, again, this was just a, a local lad who came to us for work experience. Mm. Um, it's just stood out, that's all. And he came to us for work experience. He was fantastic to the point where we actually was going to offer him a job. Mm. Um, but, but his girlfriend got a job down in Selfridges in London. Yeah. And he said, it's her dream job. I'm probably going to move down to London with her. Yeah. Um, but thanks for everything. I really appreciate the fact you're going to offer me a job. And he went on to work for, this might not mean anything to you, but um, I think it was COP90. It was like a huge yeah, YouTube right. channel. He was there from the birth of that. Um, he went on to do great things. And I saw him a couple of years ago, just walked into a hotel and he, he was with some Spanish um, director. I said, oh, "How are you doing?" He went, and he said to this, he said to this lady, "This is Dave. He taught me everything I know." And it was just real nice that you know he'd he'd gone on to great things, but he still remembered the few weeks and months he had with us, um, and appreciated his time with us. And that's, you know, I think that's really nice. Actually, I think that says a lot for us um, yeah. that people remember what we did. Well, I hope it does anyway. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Um, I hope. I hope we stood some good people in in there. You know directed them down the right path maybe and gave them a good experience that um I didn't have. And and how was um how was the experience of going from as you say you were employed for a very long time by your production firm to starting out on your own? What what have been your kind of learnings from going through that experience? Yeah that was that was hard. We kind of knew it was on the cards because of because after the first financial crisis in 2008, we'd put all our eggs in the, this travel basket, let's say. Um, yeah. And it was going fantastic. You know, it was going really well. Um, and when it when COVID hit and we knew that industry wasn't going to survive, really, and mm. the travel industry was going to take a long time to recover. I knew it was on the cards, but it came at, within a few weeks. I'd just started an extension on the house. Yeah. We were pregnant about... Yeah. A few months, I can't remember how far on we were, but so we we're expecting our first child yeah. and then maybe Dundon for the first time. And I, you know, in 22 years, wow. just having that and thinking, right, well, you know, as I said before, we've, we've been very lucky that I've been able to stay in Hull and have the career that I've had. Yeah. 
when that went away, it's like, right, well, there's nothing else here. I'm going to have to move to maybe Manchester, yeah. Leeds, London. Um, and when you've got a child coming, you just started the house. That was really daunting, actually. Like, well, what do we do? But I was really lucky. I think I, think I said that. A lot of my close friends who are already freelancers mm. um, just said, look, I can get you in, get me in at BBC. So I was yeah. in, in with BBC Holland Leeds um, yeah. pretty much instantly and, and breakfast. I had another friend who was on the sports with Sky Sports. He got me in there. So yeah. I was I was very fortunate. Again, it's good that I built relationships, that people trusted me and wanted to help out in that in that moment to um yeah. to keep that work going. Because it was frightening for a few weeks, you know, just thinking how much am I going to get redundancy? How long can that yeah. see us through until we've made a decision on are we just going to forget the life we've got here and move away? Yeah. You know, my wife's got a career, obviously. You know, she's got a great career here. Yeah. Do we move for my career? Do I then say, right, well, I'll just change my career, which to be fair, I spent two months working in a tin factory just oh, to right. keep some money wow. coming in. Yeah, again, one of my best mates on the tin making factory. And <laughs> he just mentioned, he just mentioned, oh, I've got this job, there's a bit of a backlog. So I said, well, yeah. how difficult is it? Yeah. And he's like, oh, are you serious? I said, yeah, I said, yeah, I need, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Wow. So wow. after after traveling the world and working in 40 countries for all those years, yeah. living an amazing lifestyle. I was just like, stick me on that conveyor belt and I'll label these tins up for you. If that's what I need to do. And that's what I need to do. Um, right. wow. But, you know, luckily <laughs> I didn't have yeah. to do that for too long <laughs> until, yeah. everyone, until, you know, all the other jobs started coming off and, and coming in. And um, but again, you know, I was just willing to do whatever I needed to do really. But um, yeah. And I so, think yeah, that so, plays to what you had to say about being, I guess, genuine and not full yeah. of your own self-importance. It's like, right, if I'm going to need to go and work in a factory for a few weeks, then that's Absolutely. what it's going to have to be. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I still don't have a website up and running because I just, <laughs> I'm always out doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and it's hard. It's I, I did do a course for H, through HMRC or the Job Centre yeah. about starting your own business. Yeah. Oh, you need to register on yell.com. I said, well, no one looks for freelance cameraman. I certainly would never look on yellow pages for freelance cameraman. No. You go through your network. Mm-hmm. So it's not about names. Again, back to relationships. It's not about names on a piece of paper. It's about, I remember working with that person. Yeah. They were great. I, you know, yeah. I'll give them a ring, see if um, they've got anything going, that, that kind of thing. And yeah. so, yeah, I still have a website from running. Most of work in this industry is just word of mouth and relationships, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, so, yeah, it was daunting, but it couldn't have come at a better time, to be honest. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, was, I used to potentially work away for two or three weeks, which is probably why I've never started a family until quite late. <laughs> but now, now I've been fortunate enough to... Yeah. You know, spend time. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not going to go to the office and do editing or I'm not on a way on shoots. I can spend yeah. time with my, my son, which I've never had a chance to do before. You know, I'd have been away too much. I've missed yeah. out on so much stuff. So wow. as daunting as it was, it's 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 been a bit of a blessing at the same time. Wow. Um <laughs> I was saying you've probably got some amazing shots as well. Plenty of video. Could you just tilt your head that way, son? It's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got some. Um, I've got some nice pictures of him when yeah. I, when when he could just when you could just plonk him down 
and yeah. he wouldn't move when I've had yeah. to just get, get gear ready and he's just been sat looking at all the equipment and um, yeah. now he's big enough to actually, you know, he'll sit and pan the tripod around and he can look through the camera wow. viewfinder and yeah. Wow. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because now he may be, I'm hoping things like TikTok and stuff will have died off by the time he's old enough to realise what these things are because yeah. otherwise he might just be on there and wanting mm-hmm. that um, fake, fake fame and fortune or whatever. Well, I guess it's going to be an expensive hobby, I guess. You know, equipment doesn't come cheap. (laughs) It doesn't, no. So hopefully you can use mine for a few more years. It might still be usable when it's old enough. But um, And and as a final um, question, I mean, you've been through, like you say, change the house, new baby, set yourself up freelance. Um, What's next? (laughs) Who knows? Um, yeah, a friend and I have been talking about setting something, a bit of a sideline in um, in one area of the work we do. Um, that might come off, it might not, but we're just happy just to plod along and see what happens at the minute. Um, I'm still happy just, just doing what I'm doing right now. Um, I get sometimes, sometimes I'm flat out for weeks and it's a bit, you know, relying on my parents my in-laws to look after yeah the little boy sometimes i can take the opportunity to just not work for a week or two and know that you know that doesn't matter really um especially in this industry sometimes you have a few quiet months yeah. um, summer can be quite hard um start of the year can be you know people taking christmas off and yeah certainly when the when the football and the rugby season stop you think oh, i've got two or three months now yeah. I might need more of the kind of corporate side of stuff in or maybe move, try and get a bit more of the news working. Yeah. Um, I'm still worrying times, but then one of my friends said, who's done this a lot longer than, than I have on the freelance basis, he said, you just have to learn, just have to learn to enjoy those quiet moments really and yeah. appreciate the fact that you can just spend time with your son. You're not think, thinking, right, well, who's coming, who's looking after him today? <laughs> or, yeah. you know, what's my wife doing? Could she look after him and, you know... Yeah. Just appreciate the quiet times, really, and um, not worry too much about where the next job's coming from. Wow. We'll put a link into your LinkedIn profile, uh, into the show yeah. notes, yeah, so that people can look don't you up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate you coming on the other side of the camera for uh, this yeah. episode. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you.